welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Thursday of the fourth week of Lent. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us call to mind our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. We invoke your mercy in humble prayer, O Lord, that you may cause us, your servants, corrected by penance and schooled by good works, to persevere sincerely in your commands and come safely to the Paschal festivities. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Exodus. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down now, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have apostatized. They have been quick to leave the way I marked out for them. They have made themselves a calf of molten metal and have worshipped it and offered it sacrifice. Here is your God, Israel, they have cried, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord said to Moses, I can see how headstrong these people are. Leave me now, my wrath shall blaze out against them and devour them. Of you, however, I will make a great nation. But Moses pleaded with the Lord his God. Lord, he said, why should your wrath blaze out against this people of yours, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt, with arm outstretched and mighty hand? Why let the Egyptians say, ah, it was in treachery that he brought them out, to do them to death in the mountains and wipe them off the face of the earth? Leave your burning wrath, relent, and do not bring this disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your servants, to whom by your own self you swore and made this promise. I will make your offspring as many as the stars of heaven, and all this land which I promised I will give to your descendants, and it shall be their heritage forever. So the Lord relented, and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. They fashioned a calf at Horeb and worshipped an image of metal, exchanging the God who was their glory for the image of a bull that eats grass. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. They forgot the God who was their saviour 
who had done such great things in Egypt, such portents in the land of Ham, such marvels at the Red Sea. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. For this he said he would destroy them, but Moses, the man he had chosen, stood in the breach before him to turn back his anger from destruction. Lord, remember us for the love you bear your people. Glory to you, word of God, Lord Jesus Christ. God loved the world so much, he gave us his only son, that all who believe in him might have eternal life. Glory to you, word of God, Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the Jews, Were I to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But there is another witness who can speak on my behalf, and I know that his testimony is valid. You sent messengers to John, and he gave his testimony to the truth. Not that I depend on human testimony. No, it is for your salvation that I speak of this. John was a lamp, a light and shining. And for a time, you were content to enjoy the light that he gave. But my testimony is greater than John's. The works my father has given me to carry out, these same works of mine testify that the father has sent me. Besides, the father who sent me bears witness to me himself. You have never heard his voice, you have never seen his shape, and his word finds no home in you, because you do not believe in the one he has sent. You study the scriptures, believing that in them you have eternal life. Now these same scriptures testify to me, and yet you refuse to come to me for life. As for human approval, this means nothing to me. Besides, I know you too well. You have no love of God in you. I have come in the name of my Father, and you refuse to accept me. If someone else comes in his own name, you'll accept him. How can you believe, since you look to one another for approval, and are not concerned with the approval that comes from the one God? Do not imagine that I am going to accuse you before the Father. You place your hopes on Moses, and Moses will be your accuser. If you really believed him, you would believe me too, since it was I that he was writing about. But if you refuse to believe what he wrote, how can you believe what I say? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So in the first reading today, Moses has been away on Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights. He's gone to speak with God. And in the meantime, Israel, the 12 tribes, they've been gathered at the foot of Mount Sinai and they've been told to wait. And they grow impatient. They grow impatient thinking that, well, where's Moses? Why is it taking so long? He's probably dead. Uh, You know what? Let's turn towards the one who really saved us. And they fashioned this golden calf. Now, this golden calf didn't come out of nowhere. It's from the ancient Egyptian cults. 
And so they're really going back to their origins. They're going back to the Egyptian form of worship. And they fall into idolatry. They've abandoned God, the one who, who truly saved them. Now, what's the problem that's at the heart of idolatry? Because I think at first glance, it can seem as though God's being a little bit petulant, a bit small-hearted. I need to get all the prayer and I need to get all the praise and I need to get all the credit. I was like, but no, that's not what's going on with idolatry. The problem here isn't God and his reaction to idolatry. The problem is what idolatry is at bottom. What are they doing? And let's face it, from time to time, what is it that we do? In taking to ourselves false gods, we say that this is the thing that saves me. This is the thing that guarantees my life. This is the thing that is the source of my life. And there are so many ways that we can fall into idolatry by placing all our hopes in power or in pleasure or in the pursuit of wealth or in my own reputation, my own honour. When I think that these are at the centre of my life, that these are the things that will save me, I've fallen into the trap of idolatry. And what's Israel doing in this moment? Israel is saying that this calf, this sign, is in fact the source of our lives. That this is the guarantee of our lives. What are, what are they doing? They're throwing their lives into the arms of one who cannot catch them. And there's the deep problem with idolatry. It's not that God is mean-spirited or an egomaniac, always wanting the attention. When we fall into idolatry, the problem is that we've put our lives in the hands of something that cannot hold us. And this is the link between idolatry and death. You see, when we hear these words about God's wrath blazing out against the, the idolaters, we can be tempted to think that it's really just because God's grumpy. But no, the fruit of idolatry is death. Why? Because we've cut ourselves off from the source of life, who is God. So what does Moses do? Interestingly, God says to Moses, look, let's be done with this group. You and me, you've been here, you've been in my holy presence, you are the righteous one, you are the one who continues to be connected with me, the source of life. You should be the new beginning, and I will make of you a great nation. But what's interesting is that Moses starts to plead with God. And although he's been given this really great carrot, Moses instead says, no, 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 it's not actually about me, it's about them. Lord, remember that you saved them. Lord, remember that you love them. Lord, remember that you have shown your mercy to them already and that you can show your mercy to them once more. Moses pleads on behalf of the people and he rescues them. Now all of this of course is, is building up to Christ because he is the new Moses. He is the, the true Moses. 
Just as Moses was the one who spoke to God face to face, now Jesus is the one who not only sees God face to face, but who is the Son of the Father. He is the true righteous one. He is the one who stands in God's holy presence on Mount Sinai, while the rest of the human family languishes in sin and idolatry. And he is the one who pleads for us. As Jesus hangs on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus is the one who stands and pleads for us. Jesus is the one who pleads with God to show us mercy. Yes, you could give them over to the consequences of their idolatry. But instead, Lord, you've saved them. You've rescued them. Be merciful once more and save them once more. And so the thrust of Jesus' gospel, that we throw our lives into the hands of the one who can truly hold us and catch us and give us life. At the Saviour's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For, For the, the kingdom, kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ in our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, Come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you always shine on our path as a sign of salvation and of hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick, who at the cross took part in Jesus' pain, keeping your faith firm. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need, and we are sure you will provide so that, as in Cana of Galilee, we may return to joy and to feasting after this time of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform to the will of the Father and to do as we are told by Jesus, who has taken upon himself our sufferings and carried our sorrows, to lead us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. Under your protection we seek refuge, Holy Mother of God. Do not disdain the entreaties of we who are in trial, but deliver us from every danger, O glorious 
and Blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God our Father.